All right, thank you. All right, so it starts off with what ordinance first? Which one does it start with? Baptism. Baptism, very good. Anybody know why? Why would it, why would it start off with baptism? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What else? Baptism is a show of a believer that we have accepted this person as a believer. Okay. So then now they can take part in the Lord's Supper. You got it. Very good. That's right. You're both right. Absolutely. Jesus took a verse, and and that's that's why. And it's the sort of the initiation, in a sense, of of into the into the community of of faith. So first point: we believe that Christian baptism is the immersion in water of a believer. What does immersion mean? When you hold someone underwater for about 30 seconds. Is that really true, Kenny? Come on. Come on, man. Come on. That's right. All right, so what? what so we know what that is, right? Immersion means to, to immerse. I mean, to, to take under. Uh, un, underwater, right? And there's a distinction there. Why would we make that distinction in our in our statement of faith? Because that's the model that Jesus used. Because that's the model that Jesus used. What else? Anything else? It's in the Bible. That's right. Death, burial, resurrection. We're going to walk through some texts, and we're going to we're going to see that. Uh, but but also, I think besides, that's why we're Baptists, right? Because we see this in the text, and we believe in. Um, uh, baptism by immersion, as well as believers' baptism, right? So we go back to Christian baptism. We're assuming that the person is 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 a believer, right? So the immersion of water of a believer, right? And so how would we define a believer? Kenny's not allowed to answer this one. It's like five fouls in basketball. He's already at two. Coach says no more. Coming out for a while. What does it mean to be a believer? Or what is a believer? Do we have to go all the way back to point? Some point. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Someone who believes in Jesus. Anything else? Believer. Come on. What is a believer? This seems pretty basic here. Like 101 kindergarten. Believe in the crucifixion, the okay. death, the burial, and the resurrection. resurrection. Okay. Okay. One that follows Christ, right? Follower of, of Christ, a Christian, right? A believer, one who's been regenerated, one who's believed in faith. Go back and look at your statements of faith. If you can't answer that question, that what distinguishes us, then, then go back and take a look. You're not allowed to answer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so. So what we believe as believe that Christian baptism is immersion of water into as a believer, right? So one who is a believer. So let's let's go to Acts 
chapter 8. <coughs> Acts chapter 8 together. Miss Susan, would you look up John 3 for me? And then everybody else just stay in Acts. So Acts chapter 8, verse 36 through 39. In Acts chapter 8, this is Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. And in verse 36, he says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they went down into the water. And went down into the water. Right? That's important to understand there. They didn't stand by the water and throw water at each other. They went down into it. Philip and the eunuch went down the water with Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized them. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. So we see something very particular of what we talked about in our first point about baptism. What is that? I tried to put emphasis on it. Immersion. Immersion. Very good. Went into the water and he came up out of the water. Very good. Very good. All right, John chapter 3. Alright, so here we see in John chapter 3 that Jesus and his disciples were baptizing. And we know that from John chapter 4. It actually says his, ba- his disciples were baptizing, not J- Jesus himself. But they were baptizing, and so was John, John the Baptist. So this was a practice that they were doing. Right? This is a, this is a practice of, of, uh, of uh, bringing people in. All right, and then we see from um, Matthew chapter twenty-eight. We're going to go to it in quite a, in in a little bit. But Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse nineteen, in the Great Commission says, "What about baptism?" What does the Great Commission say about baptism? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Very good. So when we bringing people in, or as we go take the gospel, we we baptize. All right, so let's now, if you're all still in Acts, go to, go to Acts 2. Let's read that together, verse 38. <clears throat> and this is a great chapter here. This is what Peter says after he preaches, after Pentecost. After it says in verse 37, they said, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. In verse 38, it says, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord, name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see here, once again, 
the the beginning into the Christian life is obedience and baptism. It's about through through baptism. Look, go go to chapter sixteen. Just want to kind of read these great examples for us. See the importance of of baptism. Look at verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and called to him all who were in his house. And they took them the same hour that night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. And then he brought them up into the house and he set food before them. And they rejoiced all, rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. Now, what was happening in this story? What's, what's happened in this story? We read the conclusion, but what, what was going on? Okay, and where were they? They were in jail, right? And this is the, this is the, the story of the Philippian uh, jailer. They were in jail. And they the Lord miraculously let them out. And as, he, as the jailer was about to kill himself because of, um, because of the, all the, the jails being open, um, and and there Paul told him, nope, don't kill yourself, we're all still here. And and he uh, shared the gospel with him, he believed. He says, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And this is what happens. right? He, they believed in the gospel, they were saved, and then they were baptized. And they rejoiced together. And this is the beginning of the, the church in, in, in Philippi. This is the beginning, the start of the church in, in Philippi, right here. Um, so we see baptism uh, once again. Go to Acts 18. Look at verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue believed in the Lord together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized well, same again the example so you see the trend the, the trend of, of when when there's belief faith in Christ there is obedience and baptism there's obedience into baptism very good so they're setting apart our first point that we believe Baptism, the immersion into the water of a believer. All right. Very important. Very important distinction there. Right. It's very important for us to understand. This is this is why we we do not baptize unbelievers. This is why we do not baptize children who are unbelievers or even infants because uh, they are unbelievers. Baptism is for believers. Very good. Very good. Okay. Yep. Believers' baptism. All right. Let's let's move to uh, point two, the second second point. So, what are we baptized into? We are baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I changed the word there, Spirit, from ghosts. So you can do the same if you like to. Um, the Holy Spirit. All right, so we are uh, 
we are not just baptized, but we are baptized into something. Right? That's what that's what baptism is. Baptism is a is is you're you're being baptized into something. We're giving this we're given a new identity. And what is this new identity? What is baptism identifying you with? In Christ. Very good, right? This has been our whole theme as we've been walking through Ephesians is this new identity in Christ. So now let's read Matthew 28:19. So make sure we get it all right. Of course my dyslexia takes me to Matthew 19. <clears throat> it says go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you see that what we are being baptized into we're being baptized into Christ, into the Lord. That is who we are now. That is our that is our identity. No longer ourselves, no longer uh, sin, no longer Adam, but Christ. We're baptized into Christ. Let's go to uh, Galatians 3. Brother Richard, would you read that for us? Galatians 3, 27 and 28. Very good. We've been baptized into Christ. We have put on Christ. And therefore, in our essence of who we are, is we are in Christ. We're no longer defined as either Jew or Greek, neither slave nor free, nor either male or female. But we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Very good. So you see the identity that we are putting on when we put on Christ through through baptism. Now, I have a written written out here that it's 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 like when we are given a name tag. And and through baptism we are and, and Abby put it so well in the beginning what, what baptism is and why it's before the Lord's Supper is because it's like getting the name tag. The church puts the seal of the name tag of you are identified in Christ and we believe that uh, to be in Christ. Another thing that we, we notice that as we walk through the passages, is is that baptism is for the church? It's for the church, right? We, the baptism is is for for the church, and the church baptizes those who are who are believers. We're commanded to do that. We just read that in Matthew Matthew twenty eight because we know that Matthew twenty eight is for the churches. It's for it's for the church. That's the command of the church to do. It's not a command of the IMB. Or, or Nam, it's the command of the church to fulfill to, uh, the, this, the Great Commission. So it's as if we are getting our, our name tag, right? Believer's baptism is when the church says, this is, this is your name tag. This is who you are uh, in, in Christ. So, very good. So that's our identity. That is our identity. Let's look at the third line. It's our purpose. Third line shows us our purpose. So we're identified into the Father, Son, Holy Spirit to show forth in a solemn and beautiful emblem of our faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior, 
with its effect in our death to sin and resurrection to new life. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let's pull that apart. Let's pull it apart. Let's not take the whole thing at once. Let's pull it apart. What does it mean? What does solemn mean? We don't use that word very often, do we? What does solemn mean? Serious. Very important, right? Uh, Anything else? Solemn. Something deep. Something that's dignified, though. Right? Um, Formal. Serious. She said that already. But yes, serious. Not cheerful and smiling. Something solemn. Something that's... Something that, that brings us into a, a, a serious mood, a serious re- respect, right? And this is what we see in, in baptism and what it does. It's a beautiful emblem. What does that mean, a beautiful emblem? What is an emblem? Symbol. A symbol. Yeah, it's something that represents something else, right? It represents uh, a, a something else. Uh, and so this is what baptism, we, we see that baptism is not an end of itself, but it's, it's a pointing to something else. It's, a, it's just an emblem. It's just a, it's just a symbol of, of representing something greater, something more of serious, something that's deep, something that's formal, something that's dignified. And it symbolizes our faith. What is faith? Belief. What else? What is faith? Trust. Trust. <laughs> He's still on the bench. <laughs> What's that? Faith, belief, and trust. Assurance. Assurance. Right? Assurance in Christ, right? It's it's belief and trust into something else, into into Christ. And and then we see here in our, our passage in the crucified, buried, and risen. Savior, what is it? What do we mean by that right there? What are we meaning by that? So our, our baptism is is pointing to our faith in the crucified, buried, and risen Savior. What are we saying in that phrase right there? Crucified, buried, risen. Savior. What are we saying in that phrase? The gospel. Yes. What'd you say? That's right. But the gospel. No, I, I mean just great. That's what I was looking for. So the gospel. This is the gospel message. This is what we've this is what we've come to believe. We've come to believe in in that crucified, buried, and ridden Savior, the one who's brought us atonement, who's brought us justification before the Lord. The one who has, going back to what we talked about earlier, fulfilled the law on our behalf so that we can have righteousness that is not of ourselves. Yes. Yes. Faith is the assurance of things that are unseen. Right. That's right. Assurance of things hoped for. We'll call upon you. It's not listening. We'll call upon you. All right. So. So crucified, buried, and saved. The gospel, with its effect, 
in our death to sin and resurrection to new life. So we see what what baptism is symbolizing, embolizing. Is that a word? Teachers, is that a word? Embolizing? What, Bill? Is that a word? Embolizing? No. No, that's a totally different thing. (laughs) I don't know. Symbolizing, it symbolizes not only the work of Christ and the gospel, but then it also is symbolizing the effectiveness of the gospel in the life of the believer. And that is our death to sin and our resurrection to new life. So we just unpack that that statement there. So let's look at these, let's look at some verses there in our in our statement. So we don't say, yo, don't think that I'm just making this up. Romans 6. I love Romans 6. Love Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. Savannah, read verses um, 3 through 4. 3 and 4. Do you, know, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead sent by the glory of the Father, <clears throat> we too might walk in the newness of life. All right. What do we mean by this? What is this saying? What is, what is Paul saying here? What is being said to us? When we are baptized into Christ, right, and now we know that baptism is symbolizing what he's speaking of as a real spiritual reality here. When we are baptized into Christ, we are what? Putting sin to death. That's right. That's right, which is exactly what Jesus did, right? When he died, he put sin to death. Right, brought, brought, brought death to sin. Victory over sin and death. And putting sin to death there. Very good. Very good. And when we were baptized into his death, we have been baptized. We've been baptized into the death. He says, therefore, we've been buried with him in the baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of we too might not walk in newness of life. We might walk in that new resurrected life, this new creation. That's regeneration and sanctification, kind of all wrapped up in the one, being brought out and lived out in our life. The, 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 work, of, the work of Christ. Very good. Very good. What time is it? Yeah, we gotta, we're going to move on. So that's purpose for all my word writers there. Um, Romans 6, fantastic. Press into Romans 6 as much as you can. Meditate on it. Let's go to the next line, line four. I have to turn my paper around. Line four. What's your word? For which one? Last Purpose. one? Purpose. Purpose. Right, so the resurrection to a new life, that it is prerequisite to the privileges of, of a church relation and to the Lord's Supper. All right, what, what does prerequisite mean? Okay. Same thing. Qualifications, of course, sort of things, right? You must do these things, do this before, before, before this, right? So it is the privilege, it's the prerequisite to, to the privileges 
of the church of a church relation. What do we? What does that mean? Privileges of a church relation. Membership. Membership. Okay, good. That's right. Church membership. Right. So before one joins a church, they must be baptized. This is a a prerequisite of 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 it. So let's look at our uh, and to the Lord's supper, which we'll talk about that in in just a minute. Let's look at our let's look at some texts um, together. Let's go to um, one second. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 again. Forty-one through forty-two. So just as we, we spoke about earlier, so it says verse forty-one. So those who received his word, right? So we believed had faith, they were baptized, and they were added to that day, to that day, about 3,000 souls. They were brought into membership, brought into the, brought into the church, brought into the, the fellowship of believers, verse 42. And what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, thinking about the the Great Commission, we see the church already fulfilling the Great Commission, don't we? And this is this is what they they're, they're doing. We're going, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, teaching them all that 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 Jesus commanded, right? Teaching them, then they devoted themselves to the teaching and to and to fellowship. So Matthew twenty eight is is up on there. You can you can turn and look that if you want and, and, and see. But I added some extra some extra text uh, as I was thinking through uh, thinking through this passage or thinking through this this line is that it's the prerequisite to the privilege of of a church and and that the church then through baptism in a sense is is putting their their stamp of approval or this name tag because they believe that this person is a is a believer that they're truly regenerate and therefore we're putting this. This mark on them as if they are uh, uh, believers in, in Christ. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16 together. Matthew chapter 16. Miss Diane, would you read uh, 17 and 19, please? 17 through 19. All right, so we've, we're pretty familiar with this passage, right? So what is Jesus saying to Peter here? What is he saying? Go through it. What is he saying? Upon what rock is he going to build his church? What does it say? Mm, 
again. Upon what rock? You are Peter. And what? Thank you for coming in for the assist. Whew. Yes, and upon this rock I will build my show. So what rock is he building on? It's a little confusing because we sing a song called Solid Rock. And Christ is a solid rock which I stand. But here he's saying, upon what rock? Peter. Upon Peter. right? Upon the, the apostles. Upon the apostles. The apostles teaching. Right? Jesus is... Is is giving him a giving them authority now with his word, the apostles' teaching. Right? I use the I use the words on Sunday uh, that the authority. What was the the authority that that God gave to gave to Adam to creation? He was what? He was the representative authority. Right? And so we see kind of the same thing here that they were the the authority. And upon that rock, that authority of his word given to the apostles, he was going to build, I am going to build my church, which the gates of hell cannot prevail against, which should be pretty encouraging to us. And same line, same line of the apostles, the word of God now given to us. Upon that same rock, the church is being, is, is being built, that Christ is building, of which the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. I mean nothing. Nothing. And so verse 19, though, is key. It's very key because it has keys in it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, kind of confusing, but we've talked about this quite a bit. But what, what is this authority that Jesus is giving to now to, to them? What is the authority that is being given down? Church, it, no, not yet. Yes, yes, that's right. So with the church now, the church has the authority. That's us, those who are in membership right now at, at Sovereign Grace. We now have the responsibility and the authority that whoever comes among us, and we have the responsibility to determine if that person is a believer or not before we accept them into membership or not. That is our responsibility. Before the Lord. And whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed on in heaven. Whatever we bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Right? And so that's what we see here. This is what we what we see in, in baptism. What it is doing is is in essentially this idea is that it marks us off. It is marking off and is giving that name tag of who you are and where you're from. Does that make sense? Right. Baptism is important. Baptism isn't just some individual thing that happens to you when you become a certain age. Baptism isn't just a rite of passage. Baptism is what? It is community. It is, it is community. It is, it is uh, uh, the marking of each other off and, and, and identifying in that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are now dead to sin and we've been resurrected into uh, into new life. So there's Matthew 16. Now, Carson, we're going to get into what you said now. Matthew 18. Turn over now to Matthew 18. So just as is the authority of the church as a prerequisite of baptism, 
the church then has the responsibility of of uh, of in a sense discipline. Look at chapter eighteen. Look at verse seventeen. Miss Karen, could you read that for us? Seventeen and eighteen, please. No. Yes. Loud. Please. Yes, ma'am. 17 and 18. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as you are, a stranger and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right, so we see, once again, thank you. We, we see the same text almost again. Jesus uses the same words. So in this in this process of of, of, of a brother in Christ or a brother who sins and if that brother is unrepentant in these three steps right? then the last step is to tell the church and even then as we are then corporately pleading with this person to, to repent of their sin and they are unwilling to repent then what does it say? what does it say? the person refuses to listen to even to the church let him be as what? A Gentile and a tax collector, which means sinner, an unbeliever. And therefore, we treat them as an unbeliever. And what, is that, what does that mean then as for a church and, and the idea of baptism? What does that mean for us? Right? You have a job and you have a name tag at that job and you quit your job. What do you do with that name tag? Or if you get fired from that job, <laughs> you lose it. You lose it. They take it back. Right? In a sense, that's what the church is doing in that, in that sense. We're taking back that name tag. And we, we don't believe that you're a believer. Right? We don't believe that you're a, a believer anymore. And so we, we, we still continue to plead for them, plead for them to, to repent and, and trust in Christ or follow Christ or to repent of their of of their sense of their sin, it's very important. Very important. That doesn't mean we we don't say we're baptized and stuff like that. But in essence, what baptism is representing in the relation to the church and membership, that's what it's that's what it's that's what it's doing. Very good. Uh, uh, I, I see Bill's. Yeah. Well, I think what you're probably thinking is something. Now, if they came back, that don't mean you baptize again. No. 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 It just says what we are what we are saying before the world is we're saying we we no longer can accept this person as a as a believer, as a follower of Christ. They're unrepentant of sin, pattern of life. Absolutely. And then we would lovingly accept them back. No. Not rebaptize. No. 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 We're not. No. No. So it's it's a it's a marking off is what what baptism baptism does. But I, but I find it interesting that the same language is being used once again in 16 and 18, where 16 is the bringing in and 18 is the kind of the removal, uh, and the same language is is being used. So no, it's not it's not no definitely we're not not doing that. Um, but uh, but what it's representing is um, in a sense very good. Next, let's look at the uh, fifth line. To the Lord's Supper. 
in which the members of the church, by the sacred use of the bread and the wine, are to commemorate together the dying love of Christ. All right, so the Lord's Supper, something we're familiar with. We know what the Lord taking of the of the, the Lord's Supper is. And um, let's see, in which the members of the church, right? This is when the church comes together. Um, those who have been baptized, those who are of the elect, those who are visible members of the church. Um, the sacred, what does sacred mean? Set apart. Very good. Holy, sanctified, right? Pure, made righteous, right? The sacred use of the bread and the wine, and they commemorate the dying love of Christ. What does commemorate mean? Remembering. Very good. That's right. Remember to recall. What else? What else would it mean? Honor. Honor. That's good. How about celebrate? I think you can celebrate as we commemorate, right? And we're celebrating, remembering together the the dying love of Christ. Um so we see that we see what what it's representing, what the what these what the uses of these two um, particular uh, particular things represent. So what does the what does the bread represent? The body of Christ. That was what broken. Okay, and the wine represents the blood of Christ. That's right, the blood of Christ. Very good. So we take those as as Jesus told us to do, right? We see that in Matthew 26, 26 through 29. You see them uh, passage there. And of course, you can see that in Mark 14 as well. Uh, and um, 1 Corinthians 11, you see that there. But let's look at Luke. I don't think we read Luke very much when it comes to the um, to the Lord's Supper. So let's look at Luke chapter, chapter 2, starting verse 14. 22, I'm sorry. I turned to the right place. Carson, would you read that for us? Verse 14. Likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, 
this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. All right. So here's Jesus instituting the, the Lord's Supper um, at the, the night of the Passover before his, uh, before his crucifixion. Um, uh, that's why we we continue to we continue to celebrate it. We continue to take it ourselves as a church. It is the, an ordinance that is given to us to to to, to commemorate, to celebrate, to 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 remember, um, in a sense, the gospel, right? Remember Christ and and what He's done and what He says. And He says, right, His, his bread that it's broken and it's given given for you, and then His blood that is that is poured out and the blood of the new covenant. Right, it's a, it's a it's a blood that 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 not only covers all of our sin but completely forgives us. It's enough. It doesn't need to be continually reshed. The old the blood of the old covenant had to be continually sacrificed, had to be continually offered and and, and given because it wasn't sufficient to to cover. It was pointing to the one that would, and that's Christ. And so every time we we take of the we take of the Lord's Supper together. These are the things, these are the realities that we are remembering together as, 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 the, as the church. As the church. So let's look at point six. It says, proceeding always by a solemn self-examination. So we see that word solemn again. Solemn self-examination. And, that's, and, and the reason why it, it says this is because Every single time we are confronted with the gospel message, it is always examining us. It is always confronting us. It is always exposing the darkness, exposing sin, and drawing us out into, into the light. That's what the, what the gospel is doing. So it brings about reflection. All right, and and this is why you know in this passage what we see I, I think it's in this one, there might be another one where, where it says as much as you gather as many times as you get together do this, in remembrance of me, and uh, maybe we should do it every week. Sorry, Miss Diane, maybe we should, but but really as much as this because why? Because it draws us out. It draws us out to to reflect on not only the the the, the glory and goodness of Christ in the in in, in the gospel. But also our sin, and then it brings us into to worship uh, in a, in a manner that is worthy of 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 the Lord. And that's why Paul in First uh, Corinthians eleven, which is right there, and you see in verse twenty eight, it says, "Take this in a worthy manner," and and that's the manner that's that's uh, um, that's worthy. Well, actually, context says that the manner uh, that is worthy is the one who is truly a believer. One who's truly a believer, one who's truly in Christ, take the, the Lord's Supper. If you're not in Christ, you don't take the Lord's Supper. And he goes on and tells tells later what it is. And and that's the that is the unworthy manner. So just in in, in moment of reflection, and, and that's actually the the word I use for, for line six is just reflection and, and what it does. Um I wrote just a couple questions just just to kind of help close us up on this point, and, and I didn't even write answers down. Just wanted to hear from y'all on what we just talked about. So, what does the what does the Lord's Supper then mean for the church? What does it mean for the church?
What does it mean for the church? What does it mean for us? Okay. Okay. What about corporately, though? Together. It's a real thinker. What does it mean for the church to take the Lord's Supper together? Yes. Yes. Very good. Did y'all hear that? What? How? What else? Explain more. Go. Say that again. Yeah. Our commitment to each other. Okay. To our friends, to the Lord. Okay. Okay. What's the What's the commitment? What's the bond in that commitment? Holding each other accountable. Okay. But what's What's the bond before we get to that point? What's the bond? What are we, in a sense, confessing in taking the Lord's Supper? Or what? Confessing our sins. No, not yet. <laughs> What'd you say, Bill? What? That's right. That's right. Yeah, and we're right. So we're we're confessing together our need for Jesus, our need for Christ, our need for the gospel, right? And 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 that's where our unity, right? That our our confession is is our unity, right? It's the same confession that Peter made. It's the same confession that, that, that Peter made, and that's what, that's what unifies, uh, unifies us. And we take it together. Yeah, that, that's what's bringing together that unity and that, that uh, uh, commitment together. And, and taking that, we're once again, in a sense, uh, uh, affirming again each other's, uh, um, uh, affirming each other's uh, uh, commitment in Christ. Affirming each other's. It's not just some, it's just, we, we got to all, we got to, I mean, it's, it's absolutely very important in the individual idea of the, the Lord's Supper, but the corporate aspect of the Lord's Supper, I think, is even of greater importance for us because it's, it signifies our unity. It, it signifies us as a, as a church corporately. This is what we're doing together. I'm, I'm confessing Christ again. Does that make sense? Too much to handle, maybe? Am I reading too much into it? Hungry? Yeah, but apparently. Does that make sense? Let's see here. Why do you why do you think why not why do you think but why would Christ give us this type of symbol? Why would he give us this type of symbol? Why baptism? Why those suffer? Why bread? Why wine? I think it's an important part of baptism that as it is as we identify as we are identifying with Christ's crucifixion uh, that we appreciate the humiliation that he experienced uh, in crucifixion and that we, we embrace And you're speaking of the actual physical act of, of being baptized. There's a sense of the humility 
that in in the act. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 And and submission. Obedience. Obedience. Yeah. And submission. Yeah. Question. <laughs> you gave an answer. <laughs> what about what about the uh, what about the the supper? Abby's looking forward to some of that now. Right? Yeah. Some we can relate to. All right, bread and bread and wine. What else? Why bread? Why bread? Go ahead. Fourth quarter, man. Come on. No, I was just going to say, I mean, just off the top of my head, what I was thinking is he's going back through his teachings in John, and he said, I am the bread of life. Yeah. You know, he's, remember when he was talking to the Pharisees, they were looking for physical bread. Yeah. And he's, he was speaking of himself. Yeah. Yeah. And he not only said, not only I'm the bread of life, but he said, I eat of me. Right, eat, eat, eat of me, eat of, eat of me. Um, this is a, it's such an important idea because actually the his, historically in the uh, the first century church, the um, uh, there was confusion in a lot of the, these Gentile cities, in in the sense they actually thought Christians were cannibals uh, because of this, because of the Lord's Supper, um, because they believe in that right mm, eating of someone's flesh. These people are cannibals. They're nuts. Not necessarily in transubstantiation, but um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so we, the, the bread of life we're taking of of Christ, and we when we say the the the, the fruit of the vine, right, the, the blood of Christ representing that. I mean, it's so important for us to uh, to hold to these things as our uh, sacred in our in our church and in, in our body uh, as we take as we take these. Um, for now, once a, once a month at the end of the month is when we when we we do them to, together. All right, so that's point fourteen, point fifteen. Good.